Good morning, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well. Glad, glad, glad you are, you're here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can either click to, turn to. Uh, uh, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 11 is what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, James happens to be one of my, my favorite books in, in the New Testament. Uh, in case you're like, like new, to, new to Christianity, new to Scripture, uh, the, the book of James is a lot like the Old Testament, its counterpart, uh, um, uh, Proverbs. In other words, it's considered like a wisdom book of, of the New Testament. And so, so James is pretty direct in the things that he says, and, and, uh, and so he helps us understand some things. And so today I want to talk to you about this issue of making wise decisions, about what, what does it mean and how do you and I, especially in difficult seasons of life when we're under pressure, how do, how do we make wise decisions? And James gives us a lot of help in that area because each one of us knows this. Life is full of decisions, and, and basically life is a series of choices that we make make every day. And so we have to evaluate, we have to decide, we have to come to some conclusions, and, and as a result of that, we, we have to make some decisions. And so Frank Borum says this, he says, we make our decisions and our decisions make us. Some of them we regret and some of them we feel good about. And so James helps us to understand in a biblical way how to make wise decisions in, in life. In other words, James begins talking about this issue of wisdom and, and having wisdom when we go through stress and when we go through problems of life. Because when we go through stress or those difficult seasons of life or pressure or whatever, however you want to phrase that, uh, that, that we need wisdom. We need God's wisdom of, of, to make the decisions that we need to make. And so when you go through pressure, you need to understand there's a difference between what the Bible says, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is just the accumulation of, of facts, and, but wisdom is the ability to make application of those facts. Wisdom is the ability to, to, to be able to know what to do with the information, what to do with the facts. In other words, this, what the Bible says is, is knowledge is more horizontal. In other words, knowledge is a little bit more horizontal. It's kind of worldly, but, but wisdom is, is not horizontal. It's, it's vertical, and, and it's godly. And so wisdom is the ability, what the Scripture says, and we'll get some verses and we'll get a working definition of that, but, but wisdom is the ability to be able to see a problem, see a situation uh, from God's perspective, from, from God's vantage point. And so when you and I are under pressure, <coughs> excuse me, I still have the cough, uh, so I apologize for that. I've, I've talked to the, the, the guys in the back and said, every time I should cough, I should get an extra 30 seconds on the, on the, pre on the preaching cough. And you go, oh, if we do that, we'll be here all day, right? So they, they voted against that. And so, uh, but I still have the cough. I apologize for that. We're working towards that. But, but when, in, when you and I go through pre pressure, we need more than facts. We need more than knowledge. We need, we need, we need wisdom. Uh, the story is told of this, this manager of a, of a little marina in a, in a small lake uh, that, he, that he managed. And so they'd, they'd rent boats. And so one day he's up in, 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 the, in his office and he grabs the binoculars, he checks his watch, he grabs the binoculars, looks out over the lake, then all of a sudden over the loudspeaker he calls out, he says, Boat 99, please return to the dock immediately. And so he waited about 10 minutes and checked his watch again, grabbed the, the binoculars, <coughs> looked out over the lake, uh, and saw the boat still sitting there. So, he, so again, he grabs the, loud, the, the microphone and cries out over the loudspeaker, he says, Boat 99, please return to the dock immediately. And about that time, his assistant came into to his office and said, Sir, we don't have 99 bo boats. All we have is 75 boats. And he grabs his binoculars, looked out over the water, and, he, and then he said, he says, Boat 66, are you in trouble? 
You know, when we live in an upside-down world, we need more than knowledge. We need insight. We need, we need wisdom from God. When, listen, when you and I go, when, when we go through times of pressure or stress, it, it can cloud our, our perspective. That's, that's, why, that's why attorneys are, are taught never to defend themselves. That's why uh, a husband or a wife who has lost a spouse uh, in, as a result of a, of a death, they're, they're, they're recommended they don't make any major decisions for, for quite some time. Because when you and I go through problems, when you and I go through stress, it can, it can cloud our perspective. fact is, what the scripture says, emotions will, will cloud your perspective. And so today, I, I want to talk to you about this issue of, of making wise decisions. And so, so it's kind of old school preaching. I'm going to, the problem, the, the prescription and then the promise. And so I got to tell you this, I preached this message two times last night. I never got to the promise. I ran out of time. And so I, so today I promise I, I will get to the promise and we'll, we'll finish this, okay? And so here's what the Bible says, James chapter 1 verse 5. Uh, we'll read all the way through verse 11 and then we'll walk, we'll walk through the, prom, the problem, the prescription, the promise. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, the way we would say that, without finding fault. That's all that means. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Like the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers with the grass. It, its flowers falls and its beauty perishes. <coughs> so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. So I want to give you three things this morning. And then we're going to take communion together as a church family. And so the first thing is this. The first thing that he talks about is the problem. The problem of making wise decisions. You may have never thought of this before. I, in fact, is, um, James gives us some insight in this. The problem is this, is indecision. The problem is, is indecision. When we go through stress, when we go th through those seasons of life, when we go through high times of emotions, it begins to cloud our perspective. The problem, what James would say, of being able to make wise decisions is this issue of indecision. Verse 8, he says, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. That, that word double-minded in, in the Greek, it literally means uh, two-souled. It, 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 to it means to be pulled apart in two different directions. It means to have, um, maybe another way to say it, it means to have divided loyalties. It means to have divided, divided priorities. Trying to live for self and, and live for God at the same time. Trying to live for the world and, and live for God at the same time. It, it means to have like these, these, these divided loyalties. And, and it, means to, it, means to try to do, it means to try to do two things at the same time. Uh, we've all experienced that, right? And when, when we've tried to multitask or try to do two things at one time, um, I, I did that here a while back. We'd finished dinner, and so I was like unloading the dishwasher and loading the dishwasher um, and putting stuff away. And so I, I grabbed some Tupperware out of the, out of the cabinet, and, and because it's always organized very neatly because my wife is like that. And so I got the Tupperware out. I put the fried chicken in a piece of Tupperware, and I was loading the dishwasher, unloading the dishwasher, putting stuff away. And so I, I thought I'd put everything away, and I was done, and I was, like, celebrating that. And the next day, my wife, Karen, goes into the cabinet to get the Tupperware, and there's a piece of Tupperware with the fried chicken in the Tupperware in the cabinet. And so, uh, and that's devastating. It's devastating to waste fried chicken, right? I mean, we all know that. You never waste fried chicken. 
And so what James would say, this is like devastating. Being double-minded is like devastating. It's devastating when we go through problems. It's devastating when we go through stress. It's devastating because if we're not, if, if we're not careful, it will keep us from making wise decisions. This word double-minded was just so interesting to me. I decided to do a word study on it. And so there's a couple of ways that you can do word story, uh, studies. And, and so, so one of the ways is you just go all, you go all through Scripture and see where that Greek word is used and how it's used. Here's the interesting thing. Everywhere else in, 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 in the Bible when this Greek word was used, it was not translated out double-minded. It was translated out confused. It's easy to get confused, right, when you have problems, when you're going through stress. It, and then another way to try to understand it even deeper is try to figure out how they use this Greek word in, in common everyday uh, conversations in James's day. You know the way they would use this word in, in, in common Greek language of their day? They would use it as referring to a person that has had too much to drink. And they're staggering. And they can't find their way. See, James would say when you go through stress, this issue of, uh, this issue, this issue of indecision, this issue of, of being double-minded creates constant turmoil for us. And so he makes this statement. He says, well, in, in that person, that person is like unstable in all of their ways. The fact is there's three different ways and three ways that we're unstable. The first one is this, that, it, that, that if we're double-minded, if we're confused, the first thing is this, we can have unstable emotions. We can have unstable emotions, the pressure or the strain of the situation. In other words, you, 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 you worry and, and you can't sleep. And, and, and sometimes what keeps us up at night is not really worry. Sometimes in these times of, of indecision, um, we can make a decision, right? We can make a decision about a relationship. We can make a decision about a job. We can make a decision about something that's given us a lot of stress, and then we can we can lay awake at night and worry if we made the right decision. See, James says the problem with indecision is it makes you unstable in all of your ways, and, and it, creates this, it creates this instability in your mind. William James says this. He said the most miserable person in the world is the person who is habitually indecisive. In, in other words, that we have to come to the place to where we're, 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 we're where we decide, the second area that it makes us unstable is this. It can cause us to have unstable relationships. And if you, if you don't know what you want, if you're indecisive, especially in times of stress and especially in those wilderness experiences, it, it can create this constant turmoil in your life to where it even makes your, your relationships unstable. It can, it can give you a lack of commitment in marriage. It can give you a lack of commitment in relationships. I mean, you, you have to decide, do I want in or do I want out? And, and what am I going to, have you ever been in these situations with someone and, and they're, they're dealing with this, like this indecision and you, you finally just get frustrated and you look at them and say, just tell me what you want. Just make up your mind. Just tell me what you want. And so what James says, James says when you're, when you're unstable in this area, it can make everything unstable, your job, your relationships, parenting, uh, choices in life. It can create unstable relationships in your life. And so over time, I've discovered this. I've discovered that a lot of times it takes more energy deciding what to do rather than just doing it, rather than just com coming to the place and making a decision. Here's another thing that it makes you unstable in, what James says. It can give you an unstable spiritual life. <coughs> it can give you an unstable spiritual life. Verse 7, James says, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Now, that's hardcore, right? I mean, James is, listen, James is not a beat-around-the-bush guy. 
Uh, James is a tell it like it is guy. I mean, James just he just tells it direct. He doesn't he doesn't use any language trying to trying to soften the blow. He just says, let me let me just tell you something. He said, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. In other words, what he's saying is indecision can 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 hurt your prayer life. Indecision can block your prayer life. Indecision, what what James says, can keep God from giving you some things and keep you from receiving some things from the Lord. There's a lot of people when they when they get in these times and they're in these times of indecision. They say, "Well, why why God why why will God not answer my prayers? Why is He not answering my prayers?" And well, maybe you're not specific enough. Maybe you haven't spent enough time with Him through His Word to help you discern what you really want in life and what you want him to do. What, what James says is, is double-mindedness can, can lead to a, to a double life. When, when, we, we're raising our, when we're raising our girls, Brittany and Amanda, um, we, we, did a lot of, we, we did a lot of road trips uh, on vacation. And so, so we, we did a couple of things, especially when they were young. And so one of the books that we would, we would read on the road, Karen would read it and then we'd discuss it, uh, one of the books that she read was was Pilgrim's Promise. I don't know if you're familiar with that work, that book, but but we would read Pilgrim's Promise. And in, in case you're not, there's there's a guy uh, in that story, and and his name is Mister Facing Both Ways. He's an interesting guy, and 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 that's that that was the guy that that he wanted his will and God's will at the same time. Mister Facing Both Ways was that guy that 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 knew the knew the right thing to do, but always did the wrong thing. Knew the right thing that God wanted him to do, but always ended up doing what he wanted to do, and it caused him problems. This is what James is talking about. James is talking about when you're double-minded, when you really don't know what you want, when you haven't spent enough time with, in the Word and, and with the Lord, that it can, it can cause your, your spiritual life just to be, just to be unstable because you're, you're trying to live for two people. You're either trying to live for the world or for him. You're trying to live for someone else and getting their approval or his approval. You're, you're trying to live for yourself or you're trying to live for him. And so that's, that's what he explains. So, there, so there's the problem. Second thing is, is, is the prescription. So James gives us the problem and then he gives us the prescription. And so he says the prescription is, you probably already figured that out, it's wisdom. In other words, the prescription is this, is the issue of wisdom. And so, so verse 5, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, and listen, that's kind of sarcastic, right? Like, hello, it's universal. We all lack wisdom, right? Especially when we get through stress, except, especially when we go through those seasons, we all lack wisdom. And so James says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be, it will be given to him. And so James gives us three practical steps that whenever you get into these, these situations, and listen, let me tell you something. Um, just, just because I'm a pastor uh, doesn't mean I don't deal with this, right? I mean, I, I am just like you, and we have to go through these seasons of stress, and we have to go through these seasons of pressure, and our family has, has been in that season for the last two years. And so, so we have to take the scriptures and apply them to our life the same as, as you do as well. And so none of us escapes out of this life without some pain. None of us escapes out of this life without some pressure. Uh, none of us escape through this life without walking through the, some things that are bigger than us, too heavy for us to carry, because that's what forces us and presses us in, in, into the Lord. And so James gives us the prescription, and he says the prescription is wisdom. And so he gives us some steps, and the first step is this, that if you realize that I need wisdom, I understand the knowledge, I understand the facts, I understand all this, I, I just don't know what to do with it. 
I, I, I don't know how to handle this thing in my marriage. I don't know how to handle this thing in my dating life. I don't know how to handle this thing in, at, at school or, or my job or my profession, my career, whatever. Then James says, just walk through these steps. When you realize that I got the facts, I just need some wisdom here. I need to know how to apply this. The first one is this, <coughs> is to admit your need. The first thing is this, when you come to that place in life, that you have to, you have to come to that place, just, just admit your need. In verse 5 and 6, again, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all with, without reproach. It will be given to him, but let him ask. Here's how you ask. Ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So all of a sudden, here's the interesting thing. He gives, he gives one qualifier, no doubting. In other words, it's like a, a, a no doubting zone. Uh, in other words, he says, come to the place to where you just, you just trust him and you, and you walk by faith. Come to the place that God, whatever, whatever your word says, whatever you tell me, that, Lord, I'm, I'm just going to do with, without, without any doubting. And so because we, we all lack wisdom, this is universal. And so remember, wis, wisdom is different from knowledge. Wisdom is, is being able to put the knowledge or the facts in, in place. Wisdom is being able to see the problems, the situation from God's perspective. Uh, wisdom is being able to make the decision in the way God would make the decision. Uh, wisdom uh, means practical application of knowledge. And, and, and so, but, but, but here's, the, here's the problem. The world is impressed by what? The world's impressed by knowledge. The world's impressed by facts. You know what God's impressed with? Wisdom. God's impressed with this ability to where you come to this place and, and, you, and, and you have the knowledge, you have the facts, and, and you come to this place and say, God, I, I, just, I just need to know how to apply it. I need to know how to apply it in this situation. Wisdom is the ability to make, the, make godly decisions the way God would. Uh, Proverbs 11, 11, 2 talks about the barrier, and it's, it says this. It says, when pride comes, then comes dis disgrace. But with, but with a humble, with humble is wisdom. In other words, the writer of Proverbs is saying, remember, it's like the counter, Old Testament counterpart to, to James. And the writer of Proverbs is saying, oh, that, 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 that wisdom... What blocks wisdom is, is pride. What blocks wisdom in your life is, is pride because you can't learn anything if you think you already know it all. In other words, one of the reasons we never learn wisdom is because we, we think we have it all together. That's why James says if you come to the point and you realize you, you lack wisdom, just, just ask. Here, here's an inter interesting thing. James is saying... The admission of lack of wisdom is the beginning of wisdom. The admission of the lack of wisdom, God, I, I don't even know what to do here. God, I don't even know how to apply this. God, would you help me, is the beginning of wisdom. And, and, and for some of us, it may, it may be going to some people in our life and just looking them in the eyes and says, you know what, I, I was wrong. Man, I, I blew it. And I am so sorry. It seemed like a good idea at the time, right? Last words of a Texan. Uh, <laughs> it just seemed like a good idea at the time, and I, I, I'm just so sorry. I'm at, let me ask you, when, when was the last time in your relationships that you looked somebody in the eyes and says, you know what, I was wrong? Man, we just, I just blew it. We just blew it. I made a mistake. And when was the last time that you came to the place in your life to where you realized that, you know what, it, it, 
It's okay. It's okay to admit I was wrong. It's okay to say, you know what, I was wrong. I should have done something different, something different and I ask you to forgive me. So the step, step two of, of getting wisdom is, is to ask for it, is to ask for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, <coughs> let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. In other words, to pray and to talk to him, read scriptures, life journal, to where you're, 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 you're taking the scriptures and you're applying them to your life. Because what, what Proverbs 2.6 says, and, and so, so here's a little bit of the definition. Proverbs 2.6 says, it is the Lord who gives wisdom. From him comes knowledge and understanding. Wisdom is to be able to take that knowledge and apply it to your situation the way God would. There's an interesting story, and many of you know the story, but it's, it's of King Solomon. And so before Solomon became king, God came to him and, and asked him, Solomon, I'm going to give you one wish. Whatever you ask for, I'm going to give you, and I'm just going to grant it. Have you ever thought, what, what, what would you ask for? If God came to you and, and asked you and says, hey, whatever you want, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to give it. What, what would you ask for? I don't answer that out loud. That's just between you and the Lord. And so, uh, but what would you ask for? Here's what Solomon said. Solomon said, you know what, I, got a, I need wisdom. Now I'm about ready to become king. I don't know how to lead these people. I, I need wisdom to be able to take the knowledge and apply it to the situation the way you would. And so, God, all I, all I want you to grant me, I want you to grant me wisdom. And, and, and God did that. And out of that, Solomon became the, the wisest person we've probably ever known, uh, the most wealthiest person in his, in his time, and the most successful king because it started with the issue of, of wisdom. I mean, Proverbs talks over and over and and so you can, you can just do a word study through, through Proverbs. And, but Proverbs tells us over and over, it says, um, if you don't get anything else in life, get, get wisdom. Wisdom is like the most important thing. And a lot of times the reason we don't have wisdom is because we don't ask. Uh, James 4.2 says, if you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So in the scriptures, over 20 times in the New Testament, it tells us to, to ask and it shall be given to you. And, and it, in, in the Greek, it's literally this persistence. It's literally this continual. It's literally, God, I, I, I need understanding in, in this situation. Just please give me wisdom. The, the third step is this, is you have to anticipate it. You have to come to the place where you anticipate it. Uh, verses 5 and 6 again, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. In other words, if, if, you, if you want wisdom, first, you've you got you to ask the right person, right? And, and, and then you've got to ask in the right way, in faith and believing and not doubting. And so the key to wisdom is, is just this issue of, uh, or the condition is just this issue of faith and, and um, to, to, where, to where you ask God for, for wisdom. James 1, 6, a sin, again, says, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed uh, by the wind. In other words, it's back to this indecision. There are a lot of Christians that they're like, they're like corks that are bobbing in the ocean. And they're in this indecision and they're going from one place to another. And they're blown around and back and forth and they, know how, they don't have any firm foundation, any firm footing. Um, we're, we're, I was raised in, in South Texas and 
And so I was basically raised on a beach. We, we, on the weekends, we, were, we, we lived at the beach. And, and uh, so we're, we're more beach people than mountain people, even though we live in Colorado and we love Colorado. Um, but on, on a lot of our vacations, especially raising our girls, uh, we always went back to the beach. <coughs> and we're pure beach people. I mean, we're the type of beach people that we get on the beach when, when like, the sun's coming up and we, we can stay on the beach all day long. Uh, Karen loves the sun. I don't like the sun as much as she does. I, I just kind of burn and peel, burn and peel. I've been working on my base my whole life. And so, uh, but she, she loves the sun, and, and so she gets really dark. And so, so we, we were at a beach, and so we had our two girls, Brittany and Amanda. They were young. And so we had been body surfing, and, and the waves had gotten pretty large. And so we were, we were just having a great time. And so Brittany, Amanda, and I had made it in. Um, and we had, we'd grabbed our boards, and we're standing in the water a little bit over our knees, and we're standing there, and we're like, hey, where's mom? And so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, here comes mom. And so here she comes, and, and she gets close to us, and then we don't know what happened, but she just started tumbling, and all we saw was like, you know, hands, feet, hands, feet, hands, feet, and she's yelling and screaming, and she's, I mean, she's just thrashing in the water. And so my oldest daughter, Brittany, type A, uh, just very direct, she just looks over at her because we're all in shock. She looked over and says, Mom, just stand up. Just stand up. And so Karen stands up, and she's like, oh, she's only in water like here. And she's like, oh. And so, but a lot of us are like that in, in life, right? The Lord is saying, you know what, just stand up. Man, just stand up. Quit allowing the circumstances. Quit allowing the circumstances to, to, to bang you around. And so, so, so to where you have this firm footing, the last thing is this, is just the promise. Um, the promise is this, God will give it to you. The promise is this, God will give it to you. Watch this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. In other words, in other words God wants to give you wisdom. God is pleased the same way that he did with Solomon. He's willing to do with you. Have you ever taken your problem, have you ever taken your situation and filtered it through Scripture and just ask yourself, how would God handle this situation? How would God respond to this person? What would God say to this person? How would God treat this person? What are the decisions that I... This is what the Scripture is saying. And so the Bible says that God is eager. God is willing to give us wisdom. And so he gives us wisdom three ways. One is he gives us wisdom continually. Ask God who gives generously. That's, that's why I'm a big believer in reading Scripture every day. Uh, we life journal here at, as a church to where we take, we take the Word and we re read the Word daily and we find application. We apply it to our life. It's amazing to me the number of times that I have been life journaling and God has given me application how to apply uh, some facts into a situation, what I should say to someone, how I should handle a situation. And so God is willing to give you wisdom continually. The second thing he says, generously. In other words, he, his resources are unlimited. Unlimited. It's, it's not, it is not a ration program. I mean, he's willing to give it to you generously. And then I, I think here, here, here's my favorite part. Um, I, know, I know the scripture says with, without reproach. I think a, a, a more common everyday way that we would say that, without finding fault. And he'll give you wisdom without finding fault. I don't know about you, but I like that. You ever been in a problem? You ever been in a situation and it's just a difficult situation and you may have, you may have caused it? And you ask someone for advice, hey, what should I do? How should I handle this? And they, they spend their time telling you what you did wrong, 
how you cause a situation, what you should have done differently, and how you should have done it differently. And all of a sudden, they spend all of their time kind of criticizing you and talking about every mistake you've ever made and how you created this. And, and so if, if, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, we'll view God that way. But you know what God says? God says when, when you ask for wisdom, he'll give it without finding fault. God's not like, seriously, I like gave you wisdom like two weeks ago for this situation. And you didn't take my advice. You made your bed, now lie in it. Seriously, you're going to ask me for wisdom again? You know what? It's actually your fault. It's actually your fault that you're in this situation. Here's a crazy deal. God says, you know what? I will give you wisdom without finding fault. I will give you wisdom so that you know how to handle the situation, so that you know how to, to take my word and apply it to your situation in your life without finding fault. It's a picture of grace. It's a picture of forgiveness. That's why it's so important that we ask him. That's why it's so important that we read scripture. That's why it's so important that that we have that time daily that we pray and we ask God, God, man, I'm going to go about my day to day. And I'm going to need wisdom and I'm going to need insight how I handle the relationships around me. Communion is, is the picture of grace.